everybody. Welcome back to the Ones Ready Podcast. You're in the team room. You've got Aaron and I, and we wanted to talk to you about uh, a few things that really we have kind of lived the entire time within Special Operations. And Special Operations Command has what they call soft truths or Special Operations Force truths. Uh, and it's kind of the the mantra that all of us try and, and live by and aspire to be. So what we're going to do is we're going to hop on into each one of them and, and give you some details on kind of what they are and what our perspectives are on them. Yeah. So, yeah. And then uh, enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed the soft truths one, two, and three. Uh, and now we're going to jump into soft truth four, which is competent special operations forces cannot be created after an emergency occurs or after emergencies occur. So, um, man, this is, this is an interesting one, especially in a time where we're actually recording this, where, you know, we're not in Afghanistan, we're not in Iraq, um, for all intents and purposes, operations have slowed down. There's not much, you know, quote unquote, not much going on, right? right. Which is kind of a fallacy, but um, we can't get into it here. Uh, you know, because we're that cool, everybody. Yeah, our, our ops are Nobody way blacker knew. than yours. Yeah, <laughs> news. You, you have no idea. I would, I would tell you, but data masked. I can't wait. We're just going to add <laughs> unnecessary clown horns in here. You're like I was in this country and then i was doing this and all you're gonna hear is just all kinds of speculation going on i love it rampant speculation <laughs> it's fantastic so um yeah where we're at now where socom is at now so i i think it's important to to kind of highlight historical data you know we we've had chief lampy on we've we've had some some you know john corn on and mm -hmm. and you know, so which are some significant historical figures, right? I, at least in Air Force Special Warfare. And, you know, you had in April of um, 1980, you had Desert One Eagle Claw happen, which kind of sparked a lot of the stuff to where SOCOM is today. You know, you got the 1986, the Goldwater Nichols Act that helped the, the DOD reorganization. And then SOCOM was established in, in April of 87. And, and then kind of, that was the, not the mass production, it wasn't mass production, but it was the kind of creation of, of the official special operations. Um, and then since then, really, there's been no, obviously there's been no creation of special operations because we already existed, but it's, it's important to note that special operations has been consistent throughout the the time we haven't we haven't really ramped up production we haven't decreased production even when there wasn't operations going on or, or high level combat operations going on we didn't decrease special operations forces we maintained an increased capability throughout that time right yeah and and so all of these are sort of rooted in after action reports or lessons learned right like if you look at the soft truths you know it, it's pretty apparent we're like hey we learned we learned our lesson you know, humans are more important than hardware. Quality is more important than quantity. You cannot mass produce these forces and go back and listen to those other episodes that we've done and that we've dropped. And we kind of go into deep dives with all of them. But this truth has always stuck out to me, like truth for that, you know, competent special forces cannot be created after emergencies occurred. This one 
is just so plainly apparent. Like we learned our lesson. So the Iran hostages, you know, basically ramped up this operation, right? Eagle Claw was the operation. Desert One was the actual location where this happened. And essentially what happened is this is a huge failure. Like this operation, uh, you know, things happen. Murphy happens, right? Long story short, they're refueling at Desert One using new equipment, new tactics, new techniques, new personnel on a new team under a new construct that wasn't very well defined. And they had two helicopters impact each other at Desert One, right? And we were unable to complete the mission. And there was, go listen to John Corinne talk about this episode. He goes into a deep dive. I'll link it here on the, on the, um, the cards or whatever. Absolutely insane. Everything that could go wrong, every piece of bad luck that could have happened, happened. But at the end of it, people looked at it and they're like, okay, we cannot come up with a force in response. We need to have a trained force, right? And, and if you think about, again, we've been trying to like leave you little breadcrumbs through all of these things. We need to have specifically trained, specifically equipped people that are small teams, that are well-led, that are able to work with, you know, either the best equipment or no equipment at all, because humans are more important than hardware. We need these people to just get the mission done. And essentially they looked at Eagle Claw and what happened at Desert One. And that led to the Goldwater Nichols Act, which was essentially every you know Congress looking at it and going, listen, we need a separate command of folks. We need a separate group of people that are looking at these special operations. You know, there, there's the larger military and, you know, the army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, they have their own duties and responsibilities, but we need a specific command that is looking at this very, this 1% of special operations so that something like this doesn't happen. And that's where SOCOM came from. That's where the, the command of SOCOM came from. Uh, so Truth4 says a creation of competent, fully mission capable units takes time. Employment of fully capable special operations capability on short notice requires highly trained and constantly available soft units in peacetime. That, man, like today, like no other, and you already alluded to it. The question that we get all the time is, oh, well, things aren't going on right now. I don't really know if I want to get in there. I'm mm -hmm. always reminded. I'm just stealing this quote from Justin Perrin, who came on the podcast. He was like, uh, you know, very famously on, on a talk that we were having, he said, on September 10th of 2001, no Green Berets were working with combat controllers on horseback. There were no horseback schools of Green Berets and combat controllers working together. But on September 11th, 2001, all that changed. And less than 30 days later, ODA, you know, triple nickel 555 was in country on horseback working with the CIA, working with the Northern Alliance to break the back of the Taliban. You cannot mass produce special operations forces, right? We just covered that in the last one. More importantly, you can't do it after emergencies occur. No. You have to be there for the invasion. Newsflash, everybody. The invasion and phase one is the fun part, okay? I know that phase zero isn't fun, but you got to be there in phase zero in order to play in phase one. Or you're going to miss it. And, and not just not just be there. You like all of the soft truths that we provided before this, you know, one, two and three, uh, they all feed into phase zero. They feed mm -hmm. into those individuals that are are there for phase zero, because that's that's really where special operations makes this money and fa phase zero and phase one. Right. Um, I know that there is some some discussion that we've not that we have had, but there are some critiques that are out there that, you know, they, that U S shouldn't have a standing army, right. Kind of, which 
I disagree with maybe in some regards, but mm-hmm. not special operations. When we start talking about, you know, your, your assessment and selections, what were humans are more important than the hardware. And we start, you know, uh, special operations can't be, can't be mass produced. Like we can't just up and make special operations forces. It takes years and mm-hmm. especially, and we're not talking about, yeah. Okay. So the, the, the folks that graduate the pipeline and earn their beret and they're, they're done with free fall and scuba and all that kind of stuff. They're, they're essentially, they arrive at their unit. They sure they can deploy. They are worldwide deployable, but they are not at a level that that tech sergeant or that mass sergeant is at that has been doing this job for years. They are, I mean, they're, they're safe, right? Mm-hmm. But they are not the ones that are going to go, Hey, you three or you, you seven or whatever it is, go out there to X country and you're going to operate this. They are not ready for that. And right. you can't just sh- shit that out. You have to grow it from somewhere. We, and we joke about it, right? Like, what do we, you know, we just had a pararescue graduation happen. And what's the joke? Congratulations. Now go back to being a cherry fuck at your units. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's a harsh way, but that's what we're talking about. It takes years to develop competent team leaders in these, uh, in these organizations. It takes decades to get to a point where you have a guy that can stand up with a full, like, fully credible, fully capable, fully qualified. And he can look at a commander somewhere and go, Hey, this is a special operation. I have the team that can make this happen. Here's the risk that you're going to need to assume. Now I want you to give me this mission. And that commander goes, yep, you got it. That doesn't happen right away. It doesn't happen right out of school. It doesn't happen on your first deployment. You know, my first deployment, I came back with more questions about myself and more questions about my capabilities. And I had answers. You know, every, every deployment, you learn something new and every deployment, like nobody, nobody has figured it out. Nobody, has, you know, the special operations command, you know, using, you know, focusing on soft truth for, we have decades of after action reports of both good and bad things. You know, some of the raids that have went correctly and some of the raids that have went wrong, you know, we've lost Naval special warfare has lost a hostage on target. If you look at the failures on TAC or GAR. And, you know, Operation Anaconda, if you look at, you know, the exfil from Afghanistan and H. Kaya, like there are lessons learned that we have taken from those things, good, bad, ugly, indifferent. And we've added that to our library to learn and to continue. And you have to have a constant process that's getting ready for the next thing. You can't stop that. The second that you stop that process, it's over. Like, yeah, you, you cannot continue uh, to have what you call a competent special operations force. If you just are like, well, we'll just wait for the next thing. You can't wait for the next thing. You have to be preparing for a multitude of things and then using the expertise and your experience and the, the lessons learned from the previous things in order to go fix the problem. We, we might not know what it looks like, you know, using the example of September 10th, 2001, we might not know that we have to go into a mountainous country to, you know, essentially work with a guerrilla force, work with the Northern Alliance in order, you know, to, to kill people that killed Americans, right? In the same, in the same token, maybe next time it's in the, in the Indo-Pacific theater, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's in, uh, you know, we're working island chains and we're working on forward C2 and maybe it's non-kinetic warfare and maybe it's a completely different enemy. We don't know, but what we know is that you can't just magic a force up after those things. When the flag goes up, it's too late. We We pride ourselves 
anywhere in the world, like the pararescue community, there's, there's a pararescue team right now with men, weapons, and equipment, and the ability to go anywhere in the world in 72 hours, set up shop and start pulling alert. Do you think that there's no planning that goes into that? Do you think that years before, like we have figured this out over years of responding to places like Haiti, responding to places like HKIA, responding to places that are having avalanches, responding to Hurricane Katrina, responding to things like, hey, four hours from now, we're going to ask the Moffat guys to go jump from 1,200 feet into the open ocean to save someone's life. Yeah. That, that's just Tuesday. But you can't figure this out after the fact. You can't plan. You can't start your planning when you get the mission. That's not how this works. But Aaron, they don't show that in the movies. <laughs> they don't. Well, it's it's because it's, it's not sexy. It's years and years and years. And I will say that they're they, like this does breed frustration with the guys. Because yeah, yeah. The the dirty secret of this is there's a the possibility where you could train your whole life and never get the call. But that's not the point. And I, I mean, it sucks, man. It does. And and I get you know when I look at this soft truth that competent special operations forces can't be created after emergencies occur. There was a whole bunch of dudes post-Vietnam, pre-9-11, that didn't have a lot of emergencies, okay? The overwhelming majority of the forces at that point, the, what we, you know, the 80s PJ, the 90s PJ, man, there was, there was not like a large-scale conflict after Desert One happened in 91. Some people had some good lessons learned and talked about it a little bit. We had, you know, Somalia popped off, uh, was that 93? Mm -hmm. uh, Black Hawk Down, um, October, uh, Gothic Serpent was the name of that operation, if you want to look it up. So we had some experiences, and the Tier 1 guys were always doing Tier 1 things. But if you weren't like chasing down war criminals in, in Europe, and you weren't part of those operations, there was a time where like these emergencies didn't occur. And people can get frustrated of training and training and training and never having the thing. Well, then we saw the other side of the coin in GWAT, where dudes were jobbing. I mean... Just, you know, and that's where, you know, Peaches and I lived our entire careers was really in the global war on terror, where it was, you know, like clockwork, we were just on the road, right? Mm -hmm. So there's going to, there's going to be ebbs and flows. But the point of that is that you can't just respond. Like, imagine if we were just, you know, in the, in the nineties, we were just like, all right, listen, there's a couple operations. We're going to stop training so hard. You know, stuff isn't, stuff is, is pretty stable, Nothing's going to happen. You know, imagine our response in 2001. We had people out the door in two weeks after 9-11. We were, we were killing people for their actions in America like 16 days after September 11th in real terms, right? That's a, that's a good book. The, the, man, I, I hate it when I do this. I always forget. It's the, the men, the mission, the me, or yeah. the mission, the men and me. I'll yeah. get it right. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a great, it's a fantastic book. Was that Pete Blaber? I believe. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fantastic book where he talks specifically about that. And then um, another good book on this one that really talks about the training that goes into it is uh, another dude. Another um, guy was uh, Paul Howe, uh, leadership and training for the fight. And, and he talks about the, the amount of training that goes into being ready for these things and how you cannot create these things. And I'm, he's, you know, double digit deployments with, I want to say retired as a Sergeant major, went into law enforcement after that, but two good books to really read, um, that really hits home on, on soft truth Four that you can't create these forces after emergencies occur. You just can't, it requires highly trained and constantly available soft units in peacetime. And that's where we are right now. And that's why soft truth Four. Extremely important, something to focus on. 
Yep. No, I appreciate it. And uh, for everybody out there, don't forget to like, subscribe, hit that review button or hit that like button and notification button and then leave us a review because that would really, really help us out. Just All smash right. that subscribe button and just absolutely destroy the cow. All right, everybody. Light up. Light up.